This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a show where I interview professional and everyday runners, and I have a really fun episode for you today. Today, you're listening to episode 311, and I'm talking with JJ Santana. I want to give a shout out to listener Giselle because she actually sent myself and Emma, my assistant, an email to share with us about JJ's running and what he's up to and suggested him as a guest. Never be hesitant or shy to reach out to us and suggest guests for the show. So JJ recently paced Sarah Hall at the Marathon Project, and he debuted the marathon at CIM in 2019 in a time of 2.17.26, qualifying him for the Olympic trials. So that was his first marathon at the age of 32. He is 34 now and has massive dreams for this sport. And so the fact that he debuted that marathon in 217 and is just really getting rocking and rolling with the marathon thing is super exciting. So you're going to want to make sure that you start following JJ. Uh, You can find him on Instagram. He's underscore JJ underscore Santana. And this was a really long conversation. I actually cut out a few pieces here and there because it was so long. And I'm going to leave those extended pieces over on Patreon. So I've pulled those out. And if you want to hear the extra 15 to 20 minutes that we have that I took out of the conversation, you can find that extended version on Patreon. And so if you support the show at $5 or more per month, you can get access to that. Along with so many other things, I'm actually putting out weekly episodes on Patreon now. So every single Wednesday, you get an episode on Patreon for anybody who supports the show. So if you go to patreon.com slash lindsayhine, you can get access to all of that, as well as this extended conversation with JJ Santana. All right, friends, I am pumped to bring on a new sponsor here. This is a company that I am so excited about, and that is Picky Bars. Holy crap, I feel like I have to just start by saying if you have not tried the drizzle which is an almond butter topping with superfood maca that tastes good on literally almost everything, your life is not complete. This drizzle is so delicious and you don't need very much of it to get this really flavorful, delicious taste. But more importantly, here's the thing. Picky bars are made with products that are easy to digest. They're natural. They are gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and 100% non-GMO. I love that these are real snacks for runners with real fuel. So now Picky Bars has performance oatmeal, granola, pancakes, and nut butter, as well as their bars. This is high performance, real food, which is the best kind of fuel. And my kids love that drizzle and they love the bars as well. So that is always a plus. You all can save today when you go to pickybars.com slash another and you will get 20% off when you go to pickybars.com slash another. This is good for orders over $25 and an additional 20% off 
the box if you try a new Picky Club membership. Check it out, friends. All right. Enjoy my conversation with JJ Santana. Today on the podcast, I'll have another. We have JJ Santana on the show. Welcome to the show, JJ. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I just quickly stalked your Strava and saw that you ran 14 miles this morning. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I just finished. Just uh, finished running and took a shower and hopped on here. Um, I ran 10 myself and was feeling pretty good about that on a Wednesday. So 14. And then it looked like you ran 14 yesterday, too. So it's like a regular thing for you. Yeah, right Right now I'm um, kind of in uh, uh, kind of base training. I, I just actually signed up for a marathon. Um, I think it's June 6th. Um, in Utah, so kind of starting to get in training for that. I'm already in decent shape, but the work, the real work will start pretty soon. Uh, what race is it? It's what called race? the Utah Valley Marathon. Oh, cool. Um, and I saw that you just got over COVID. How are you feeling? Um, now I feel fine. Um, luckily, I didn't get it too badly. Um, my symptoms were very mild. Um, I did have some symptoms, but Honestly, I could, if just say we weren't in this time with COVID and we didn't know what it was, I would have just went to work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't that bad. It never like put me down. Um, I kind of felt like it was just like a sinus infection. Like I had some phlegm. That was the first thing I noticed. Like to clear your throat a lot. I never really, got, I never got a fever. I never got the chills or the aches. Um, I did have like clogging in my ears. Mm. Uh, I never lost my my taste and smell. Um, but I took it pretty serious once I once I tested positive. You know, I I I know that some people come back too fast, or some people have long term effects. Especially since I run, you know, I, I I wanted to take it pretty serious. So I didn't do any training for about 21 days. Oh wow! Two weeks, the two weeks that I had symptoms, even though they were very mild, I didn't do any exercise. You know, I didn't do anything. Um, and then another week after I had already tested negative and I had no symptoms, I still did nothing just to be safe. Um, and I kind of took it as a good. Uh, excuse to take a break. I'm not very good at taking breaks, <laughs> so uh, I think in the long run maybe it'll even help me. And and I and I haven't had any long-term effects. I haven't seen anything negative since then. So I'm glad I did did it the right way. Wow. And I think that's so many runners are like so quick to want to get back at it. You know, when they're sick, especially even if it's just a cold or something like that. And isn't that crazy that you would have just thought it was a sinus infection? I had a sinus infection in December. And I was like, I don't know, this could be COVID. I ended up getting antibody tests and it wasn't COVID. But it's just crazy how severely it affects some people. And there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I've heard. I've heard all ends of the spectrum. You know, people that are healthy and young, mm-hmm. it hit them pretty hard. Um, people that didn't get hit that hard, but um, got back to training. You know, I follow MMA, like the UFC a lot. I wrestled in high school, so I follow oh, really? that. And I've I've seen a, a, quite a few cases where, you know, these you know th- some of these guys are a little bit crazy too. But <laughs> they train, train through it. They didn't get it bad. Train through it. You know, still did their their sparring and wrestling and, and and all that stuff. And then they had long term effects, and it got worse later. You know, like coughing up blood and serious stuff. So, yeah. And and I've I've seen people that just trained through it and said I I had like a headache. You know, and and nothing happened. No long term effects. So yeah, the same thing you just said. It's all over the spectrum. Yeah, it's almost like you don't know for sure if not running or anything for twenty one days, like was the the recipe that you needed for no long-term effects. But if it worked for you and you got the rest you needed, good. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I, I figured better safe than sorry. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I can be a little neurotic when it comes to like, um, like health. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, if I get like paranoid or something, or like my heart starts to beat too fast, or I feel it. You know, that stuff like really gets in my head sometimes. So for me, it was just like a no-brainer. Like, why take a risk? It's not like there was a ton of things races on the calendar right now, anyway. And like I said, I don't take breaks very often anyway i like to to jump in all kinds of races like i'm a serial racer mm. so to me it was a very good excuse to just take a break and just to be safe so how did you do that mentally then like what did you do with your time because obviously then you couldn't physically go into work either so like how did you fill your days yeah so i'm, I'm really yin and yang as as far as being an athlete um, I love being an athlete. I've been an athlete since I can remember. I've played sports ever since I was a little kid. I've played all sports. Um, and I, I'm always doing something athletically. Um, but at the same time, I have a totally different side where I've also been into like video games and I'm a super hardcore kind of nerd. Um, and I've had that side as well. So I was completely content sitting in a room playing video games and watching, you know, streams and watching like basketball so I, I can do that as well easily you said so I could do that for three weeks no problem I hadn't I had no problem doing that oh my gosh I love that too I I'm the same way like I need my routine I need to exercise you know a good five to six days a week but if I have like the excuse that I need I am all for binging some Netflix and I can if, if I know there's a reason that I'm like chilling for an extended period of time. Like anytime I've had babies postpartum, I'm like, this is my time. I don't have to work out. Um, yeah. it, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with it. That's a good excuse. I mean, it, see, if I was in your position and I had some kids, you know, I, I'd be like, yep, I deserve to do whatever I want. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's a good, that's a very good excuse in my opinion. You, you can give yourself a lot of time off, you know, you can find those, those reasons in life. And like I said, I'm, I'm real yin and the yang. So I, when I'm out there, once I get out there, I can work really hard and I could be really focused and all that stuff. But at the same time, um, say when I'm not doing that, I'm really mellow. I'm really laid back and I could do nothing as well for a long amount of time. Yeah. So he says he can get out there and work hard when he, when he wants to. And let's talk about that a little bit. You grew up with tons of cousins playing sports. You mentioned you were into wrestling growing up. When did running, uh, come into your life um so a few different spots like i said I, I played all the sports um and i grew up in a big big family my my dad was one of 14 kids that's and so cool real, yeah they were real family oriented and i remember we would go to my 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 grandpa's house and grandma's house on, on my dad's side when we were little and all the uncles and aunts would take their families there on christmas and so you know all of them had all of them had kids so we'd have basketball tournaments and video game tournaments and like the the living room was just completely packed with like, you couldn't even see the tree. There were so many presents. And so very competitive and like family oriented environment. I think that's how I kind of got into that. And as far as running, I was on and off with all the sports growing up. I remember I, I ran a 5k with my mom when I was little. I don't remember when, but uh, I didn't take it super serious, but I remember I won my like age group. I must've been like 11 or 12. Okay. I, I don't even remember what time I ran, but, um, and then my junior year in high school, I had broken my collarbone in wrestling um, in the summer going into my junior year at the very beginning of the summer. So I hadn't done anything all summer and the summer was almost over, maybe a couple weeks left. And some of my friends, um, I had I had just gotten over my collarbone and so I being broken. So I had just kind of recovered and some of my friends were like, hey, we're going to join the cross country team. 
come with us to practice. Um, and I was like, sure, why not? And I was completely out of shape. I was really out. I hadn't done anything all summer. I'd been laying down, recovering from a broken collarbone. And it just happened so that that day they were doing like a time trial, so a three-mile time trial. And I remember I went and ran it, you know, completely off the, off the couch, basically. Um, and I think I finished like seventh on the team and just ahead of the first girl on the team. And I remember just puking everywhere because I had, you know, I was out of shape. <laughs> and I basically ran all out. And I don't puke. I never puke. But I was, you know, and that was kind of the beginning of it. Um, and I think by the end of that week, uh, I was already like the fastest guy on the team. And we had our first meet of the season in San Diego. Because even though we're not in San Diego, we were San Diego section. Okay. Even though we were two hours away, our, our little, you know, uh, valley was so small. We didn't have a section. So we were actually in San Diego section. So I remember going to San Diego for that first meet. And I did really well. I think I ran like 1640 or something for a 5K cross country and I, I did really well but um, I got shin splints right around that same time uh, partly because I was running in basketball shoes I didn't like, <laughs> I, I, I had gotten into it so fast and I had gotten into shape so fast uh, along with me wearing basketball shoes I, w- I was wrecked I had shin splints so bad I, I didn't basically I couldn't run that whole year um, oh that sucks did your coach know so he kind of figured it out, but I got good so quick, and, and he didn't know who I was because I kind of just joined the team out of nowhere. He had told me to get racing shoes at that first race, basically. Mm. But I think also my muscles weren't developed. Yeah. Also coming off of the whole summer of not doing anything and not running before and getting into such good shape so quickly um, with the added factor of running in basketball shoes, it just wrecked me. So like I did wrestling season. I couldn't run all wrestling season. I joined track that year for the first for the first time my junior year, and I also it was better, but I also just they didn't want me to get worse, so they would let me run in the races, but I didn't train all year, so mm. I also it, it wasn't that great uh, my 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 track season that year. But the next year I did really well. I qualified for state um, in California for Wait, cross that, country. That's a big deal in California, and yeah, in, yeah. in any state, but California is so big. Yeah, California is really competitive. Yeah. Um, I think I got like fourth at San Diego section CIF, and then I qualified for state. I think top ten qualify for state, and I did I did okay at state considering it was my first year. I forget what place I got, but maybe in the top fifty somewhere or something like that. That's fast, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was very. Uh, I got very into it very quickly, and I liked it a lot. It, it was really fun. Um, you know, it's like so interesting to think of like that first race that you did, and you said you you ran so hard that you puked when you finished, and there's just a certain kind of person that's willing to push themselves that hard, especially at that young of an age, the first time they really attempt trying something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know. I, I've always never had a problem, um, getting the best out of myself, uh, when it comes to competition. Like I said, I've done all, I've done sports at a pretty high level, um, in all sports, I don't, to, uh, to be completely honest, I don't feel, I never felt like running. I was exceptionally good at running mm. comparative to my other sports. I was also CAF champion in wrestling. Um, I was really good at basketball. I played football. My dad was a football coach in high school. Like I, I was, I excelled pretty well at all the sports. Um, and even to this day now running, um, I don't, I don't get nervous before races, um, I know a lot of people worry about like performance anxiety yeah. and some people don't perform well on race day. For some reason, uh, 
I don't really worry about that at all. I go into a race in the back of my head. It's almost an assurance that I know I'll get the best out of myself. I don't have to worry about that. And that's kind of a, I think that's a big anxiety blocker when you can kind of go into it and and I know I'm going to work as I know I'm going to get as much as I can out of myself on the race day. So that's something I don't really have to worry about. And I don't think I really trained for that. Somehow somehow that's just the way I kind of was. Man, naturally. that's that's fortunate because I think that that's something people that are doing any speed, you know, like I'm trying, you know, someone trying to break two hours in the half marathon, someone trying to break three hours in the marathon. I think that's something we all struggle with. And that sounds like such a, a gift that you have that. I mean, do you think it was anything, you know, I always ask this like nature versus nurture question. Is that just who you are? Or did your parents instill some, something in you that made you feel that way? Do you, I mean, is it a combination you know, I wonder that all the time. I've always wondered that. Um, I used to, like I said, I've, I've played sports my whole life, and I was always, I excelled pretty well. I was always kind of the best person on the team or the best person in my town or one of the best people on the team um, or whatever. And I always wondered why. What, you know, especially as a little kid, I would wonder why is it, does it seem like it comes easy? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would see other people that maybe would even work harder than me and, and maybe struggled a little bit more. That's something I always wondered. I and something I think more as I get older is, I think this, I think sports is so much more mental than physical. And uh, luckily, I just had a mentality of, I don't know, fearlessness might not be the word, but um, I don't worry, I don't stress about it. I just go in knowing that I'm going to do my best. And I think that helps a lot. And so luckily, that's like I said, that's just naturally the way I am. I don't really worry about that. And I think a lot of people naturally worry about doing well, worry about what other people think, worry about how they're going to perform. Some kind of a weird thing, but I don't really worry about that. To me, I, I, I enjoy it. And it's easy to say when you have already won and, and won some races or won some wrestling matches or won football games or soccer games. It's easy to say that when you're already kind of good, per se. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good is relative. Right. But um, when that pressure is off you, it helps a lot. Uh, that anxiety, when you're not worried about doing well, when you already know you can do well, that's something that you don't have to worry about. I know that's not easy to do, obviously, but like I said, I, I don't know how I got into that mindset. But yeah, that's just the way I am. And mental mental is a big a big part of it in my opinion and most people know that but i think younger athletes might not know as put as much emphasis on the mental side as i think that that it should be given to it i was just talking about this with my friend on our run this morning because she just ran a half marathon pure this weekend and we were talking about how like the anxiety and the pre-race nerves really for me it's like I know how bad it will probably hurt when I get to mile 20 or whatever distance I'm running, you know, like if I'm doing a marathon. Um, so the, my fear lies in like how bad I will hurt and if I can be mentally strong enough to push through and get the best out of myself. But knowing that that, you know what that pain feels like and you're like, oh, that's going to be hard. You know, do you ever think about that or you, do you embrace that like, oh, that's going to be hard and I'm in shape for it? Yeah, I mean, it's not like I have completely no anxiety or worry about um, doing good or bad or hard workouts. Um, I'm, I'm human. I think that's a human thing. But honestly, to me, I look forward to the hard workouts. 
Um, when I have a hard workout on the schedule, that's what I look forward to. I really don't like the boring, easy workout. Like today, <laughs> get in zone one and run for 14 miles. I, I struggle more with that. Um, to me, the reason I race and the reason I compete ever since I was a little kid, especially more now, I'm aware of it, is like, you know, the hour before you run, you know what I mean? You get off the bus or wherever going to these races um, and you have your bag and you're totally focused. Some people have music on or headphones on. That hour before the race to me is the best thing in the world because my mind is completely clear and focused, laser sharp. And I, I don't think I've had anything else in life that compares to competition right before the competition. Um, and to me, that's the best thing, in my opinion. For me, there's I don't fear it or worry about it. When I'm in that zone, I'm completely clear-minded. Um, I don't worry about my bills. You know what I mean? I don't worry about uh -huh my girlfriend or my mom or my dogs or you know we're so our mind gets so cluttered with all that stuff on a day-to-day -day basis and we're just used to it and nothing clears my mind and gets me laser focused like before even a big workout sometimes I'll, be, I'll get in that mindset but races for sure um i get in that clear mindset and no i don't really worry about you know worrying about hurting and stuff um to me i I look forward to the races so much and I look forward to competition so much. And that that hour before races, that clear-minded focus, to me, that's the reason I still do it as an adult. And I'm really grateful that I can still do it because it's such a unique thing in everyday life. Uh, everyday life can be mundane and boring mm -hmm. and we go to work and, and come home and pay our bills and there's always something to worry about. You know, as you <laughs> become an adult and you get older, there's always something, you know what I mean? You're need to get your oil change. You need to do your taxes. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like, and, and racing to me, our competition, it doesn't have to be running. Competition to me and that time, that hour before the race, during the race, after the race, to me, that's like a real sacred thing to me. And it's really why I do it, in my opinion. And I, I don't like to um, have any negativity with uh, kind of that goes along with that where I worry about pain or, or it's going to be hard. To me, it's all positive and it's such a cool thing. I really try not to think about any negativity that goes along with that. And just the way I try to look at it. I, I love that thinking about it like that. You don't like everything can disappear for just a little while and you can just focus on embracing that opportunity you have to push your limits where sometimes it is hard and it feels really challenging but we all know like how amazing the finish line feels we all know that and honestly you know I haven't raced a lot in the past few years but there are moments when you're working really hard and you can still like gut out a little smile because you appreciate that moment and those those moments in races are my favorite when I'm like I know I'm working hard and I'm pushing myself but like I'm just fully in the moment in that space with all these other people who are also trying to to reach their goals. And I don't have to think about my bills or being up in the middle of the night with my kids or whatever else is happening in life. That's a really good way to think about it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think something that people that don't do athletics kind of miss out on um, is when you can get into really good shape and do something really easily you know what i mean like when you get in good enough shape where you're running a marathon um and you know how you run a marathon so you know how it is the first half of the marathon or especially like the first 10k you're not supposed to be hurting yeah you know what i mean yeah. and in that time you're running still hard but 
it is kind of that that zone where you could still enjoy it. You could, if you know what I mean. I know some people maybe don't do that, but for me, in those sections and those spots, you can be more aware of what's going on, and you could really look around and, and like you said, look around with the other people, and everybody's there um, with a goal, and everyone's there to, because they enjoy that, you know, what they're doing, and that I think that's really something that's pretty pretty cool about sports and I think that's why so many people like it and so many people do it and follow it and whether it's football or basketball or whatever it's something else that kind of can take you away from that mundane part of life everyday life that can be hard those those things in life the regular things in life that are hard and not so fun Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. I am a huge fan of Prevenex. I have been taking their products for almost an entire year now, and they're all game changers. They have multivitamins, they have supplements, and they have kids' vitamins and protein powder. Okay, as a runner, I really want to recommend the Joint Health Plus supplement that they have. The Joint Health Supplement delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief available on the market. I take that every day. I take their multivitamin every day. And we use that protein powder every single day in this house. What I love about the protein powder that Prevenex offers is it also includes so many minerals and vitamins in the mix. You get 10 grams of protein with one scoop, 20 grams of protein with two scoops. I can't recommend Prevenex enough. Their products are clean, they're effective, and they are doing really good work. They have a give back program. So when you buy a bottle of their kids' vitamins, they donate a bottle to malnourished kids around the world. You can feel good when you buy their products and your body will feel good too. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. That's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. I was always pretty talented and pretty, uh, I excelled pretty quickly at, at sports, and I think it almost hurt me as I was younger because I had a lot of success at that level, at high school level and before high school as a, as a young kid. And I think I slid on my talent too much I got by on my talent too much, and I never really um, dug deep into my full potential. And that's something I think now that I'm older, um, and I kind of didn't, we didn't talk about this yet, but after high school, I went one year of junior college, and I part, I ran track and cross country, and I didn't really, I kind of just like, I was, I was, I was very distracted, and I was mm. not disciplined at all. And I kind of wasted that opportunity, and I never went back. I didn't go back to school after my first year. And I took like a seven-year break where I didn't do any sports, really, competitively. I didn't run at all. And around 26 years old, so like six or seven years later, that's when I got back into running. Now I'm 34, and I've been doing it for like seven years. And, and now, in this span, as an adult, I think my discipline and – and like dedication is finally catching up with my actual ability. And I think that's something as an adult now that I do also look back at and say like, that's kind of why I do it now too. A big reason is I wanted, I never got the, I feel like I never gave myself a full shot where I was actually dedicated and where I actually would listen and train hard to see what I could actually do. I felt like I, I almost, if I didn't do it now, I would, never see what I could actually do. Um, yeah, and, and that that's kind of 
something interesting that I, I feel as different from an adult as uh, a, a kid and a teenager is much different. What did you do during those six years? Like what was fulfilling you in your life? You know, it's not like I wasn't doing anything. You know, I was working a regular job um, being an adult. Mm -hmm. I guess you know, and th there was a few other things I did. Uh, I was I got into some a, a couple different video games, pretty hardcore. Um, one of them was called League of Legends. It's one of the most popular video games. I, I was I played that a lot. I was even on kind of a pro team, a couple different like kind of pro teams at the time when it was brand wow. new. And I also played another game called In the Groove, um, which was I know you've probably heard of Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. So in the groove was a, a it's very it's like the same game. It's four arrows and you you kind of stomp on the arrows to the music. I got super into that game. That's and fun. I, I, yeah, I was like it, deep deep into that game. Like I probably played six years deep into that game, and I had like a YouTube channel and I really went to oh yeah I went that's to so cool. It was a, it's a very people still it's it's like a cult kind of following type of a game. I want to play it. Um, I like I love dancing. Oh yeah! I'll, after the after the interview, I'll link you uh, maybe a video and you can watch. It. And you, you, we you'll want a video I, of you though. I'm gonna oh, put yeah. that in the show notes. Oh yeah. Okay. You, you could think, I I used to be so we used to be so dedicated. We would go to tournaments. Like I've I still have friends that I know now that I've met just because of this game. We would travel around. People have wow. machines in houses. We used to and we used to go crazy. Like when when I show you the video, you'll laugh because it's it was kind of insane. Like we took it real serious. Are you a dancer? Like do you, have you? Obviously, you do all the things. You do all the sports. Yeah. But like, were you? Are you a natural dancer too? No, I never got into dancing. But this is not dancing at all. Okay. Um, we we were playing. Uh, just for example, it we we took it to the extreme, um, <laughs> where like so it's based on music, and the music is you know based on be beats per minute. So say a normal average song, a, te a techno kind of electric electronic music beat per minute is like one forty. Um, and there's like notes, music notes, like six, 16th notes, eighth notes. And we would get to like where we'd be hitting the arrows, you know, 26 arrows a second type of things for like multiple minutes straight. Like it was, it was very, we got it to the point where it was very, um, uh, endurance intensive. Like we were drenched in sweat. Like it's actually a workout. It was a mixture of almost a sport and a video game. It's not really dancing. You're basically holding onto the bar and moving your feet in small increments, muscle memory onto the arrows accurately to the music. Uh, more stomping extremely fast than dancing. I mean, I want to get my boys into that because they love playing video games and I would much prefer them to play active video games. I'm trying. So this is really interesting to me that you got really into video games, but you're also a super athletic person because um, I am like, I don't love it when my kids play video games, mostly because when I tell them it's time to not play video games anymore and go do something else, there's this really big attitude issue. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, and they're active kids. I mean, if it's a nice day, my kids are outside playing all the time, but I like I have this like love hate relationship. My husband is like I grew up playing Game Boy. Like I'm fine. I'm I'm active and you know all these things. So lay the case as someone who is like super active but also loves video games. Like how do I make sure my kids are getting this balance? Asking a non-parent, I know. 
it, it's hard. It's it's something where you have to. Oh man, I don't even know because um, you can go completely overboard. Right. Um, something my, I know something my mom did when I was a kid was I, I was crazy. I'm telling you, like my yin and the yang as far as being a total <laughs> nerd and athlete is so hard. You know, on either side, my mom would. Um, only let me play my video games on the weekend. She would not let me play it during the week because I was too crazy. I yeah. would only, and, and like you said, I would want to play. And then if she would tell me anything, I wouldn't listen to her or she'd shut it off and I'd get mad. You get you know mad. I mean? Yes. And it's this yeah. whole thing. And if you can harness that in some way, you know, each kid is going to be different. Maybe some kids, it is too distracting and you have to take it away. Um, maybe limiting it at that in some way. Um, there is a lot, there is benefits to it. You know what I mean? Like in my opinion, mentally that the mental stimulation and, and, and it, it, you can learn and you can, you can actually, you know, harness that kind of mental sharpness and, and, you know, there's games out there. Like the game I used to play League of Legends, it's legitimately, uh, it's five on five online play and there's so much strategy to it you know it's yeah there's some coordination too yeah yeah these so these pros the pro players they live in houses and they live with in their in their houses they have coaches um they study oh my gosh they have sport they have sports psychologists that live with them like because losing is so hard and losing they're like best of three games and you get in a rut and you fall apart and you drag your team down like there's a lot to it there's you know and now it's so much more evolved i don't know if you know this but there's there's even a lot of d1 colleges that will give uh scholarships for esports which is like league of legends and dota no i did not know that yeah i mean it's such a big deal like it now it's a big deal now you can actually they call it esports, is what they call it, and you can actually have a career, you know, playing esports. And it, wow. it's still new, and the average esports career is really short yeah. because it's mostly only young people that do it. But yeah, that's something that's that's a whole different conversation uh-huh, I mean, you, for sure. You could you could really dig into that. I mean, I remember like maybe seven or eight years ago, they had the World Championships for League of Legends. This game I'm telling you about, um, and it's a free game. You don't even have to pay for it. You can download it for free. Really. Um, they had the world championships, and for the first year, they did a live event for the finals, the world championship finals at Staples Center, and they sold out the Staples Center in like three seconds. Wow. So, to watch people sit in the middle of the Staples Center on five computers and five computers and then play and put it on the big screen. This is the, wild. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, it's wild. You can get – it's another level, and, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, video games are pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean they like – my boys like to watch other people play video games on YouTube. But I'm like, why is – how is this interesting? I don't understand. Yeah, so that's Twitch. So that's live. You can watch it on Twitch and, and people stream. And people are professional Twitch streamers. Usually it's ex-professionals that are, are not professionals anymore, but they've accrued a following. And now what they do is they stream video games and they have like, – they're now like a personality. So think of it as like a retired football player, but yes. now a video game player. And they, oh. yeah, they'll have 20,000 people watching them at one time. And it's just you're watching someone who's entertaining, but also someone who is very good at the uh-huh. game. And, and young kids and people who aren't so good, can also, they can watch and learn all the tricks and how to be the best players and also be entertained. Um, so that's kind of what the Twitch thing is. I know it's a little weird if you don't play video games. You're yeah. like, well, how, yeah, you're supposed to play the video games, not watch video uh-huh. games. It's entertainment. Yeah, I mean, we like. I love watching marathons. You know what I mean? Like, I love running, but I also like watching marathons. So, and people who don't run don't understand why I would 
enjoy watching people <laughs> run. So, yeah, I mean, I totally get it. And side note for the listeners, I do have a podcast on parenting. And I recently put out an episode on screen time. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, make sure you check that out. And, um, you know, and just one note on the parenting side of things. Like I think that a helpful thing that I've been trying to implement, I'm not great at is um, just like you said, those boundaries, but just making agreements ahead of time so that it's not just like I'm ripping the Nintendo out of their hand out of nowhere. It's like we had an agreement that you would get 45 minutes or whatever it is. So um, we dive into topics like that way more over on Why Is Everyone Yelling podcast, which is the (laughs) title of my parenting podcast. So um, super interesting, though, because I don't think I've talked to many people who have been super deep into running and sports and also super deep into gaming. Um, Okay, I do want to get into your actual career right now and in 2019 you ran a 217 27 at CIM which qualified you for the trials you ran in the trials I mean are you would you say at 34 right now you are at the height of where you want to be and you know running your most at your most competitive self yeah definitely definitely um that uh, marathon 2019 uh, CIM was my first uh, marathon. It was my first road marathon. Debut oh. road marathon. Wow. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because uh, it went so well, and then I ran the trials a couple months later. Um, I wanted to do better at the trials, but it was a tough course. Um, it was a quick turnaround, and in between that, in January, I also just jumped in to pace Houston. I paced the the lead women group. Um, that's where, um, uh, geez, I can't remember her name now. The Canadian uh, girl who broke the Melinda Elmore. Melindy Elmore was in that group. It was Melindy, and there was like three Ethiopians and three Kenyans. Um, so oh, it was real fun. cool to Melindy in there. And so I paced that group in, in January in between, and I, I took them to 24 miles, I think. Um, and that was something where I just kind of got the opportunity out of nowhere because I was in good shape. Um, and they paid for my flight to go over there and gave me a stipend to, to pace and, and all that stuff. And that was really cool. Um, and then I ran the trials. Um, and it was kind of weird because my goal was never to run a marathon. So just go back to maybe, you know, April 2019. I hadn't run a marathon and my plan was not to run a marathon. Uh, so to be fast forward to February 2020, right before the trials, I'm in the trials all of a sudden and I'm in really good shape. And it, it was kind of like, let me just go out here and do my best. And I, I went out pretty hard, um, like a lot of people did. Uh, what did I have to lose? And I kind of paid the price in the second half. My last thing <laughs> was not very good. Um, I underestimated the hills and the wind a little bit too much on that course, but it was cool. It was a good learning experience. And then, and then you run into this year, you know, and right after that, a couple weeks later, not this year, but 2020, yeah. the whole pandemic kind of put everything on hold. Otherwise, yeah, I would have liked to have made some more jumps. That was kind of just, it, it blew up so fast. Like I said, that was never my plan. It kind of just happened. Um, and then everything got put on pause. So uh, I'm hoping to, when, when, when I run this uh, race in, in June, hopefully to make another big jump. Um, and I was hoping to run at the Marathon Project, which was in uh, 20, 2020 in December. I was hoping to actually get in that race. To I like race really it instead of pace yeah, it. I was in really good shape. But the problem was I had only run two marathons. Mm. I had run the 217 and I had run 219. So I didn't have a big resume. 
So I think you needed more like a 215 at some point. Okay. Resume to really get in the race. Um, so that's why I, I didn't get in, I think. And, and there's some politics to it too. You know what I mean? I don't have an agent, you know what I sure. mean? I, because I had before 2019, I had been kind of building each year for that like six year period. And I had been just doing, I just jumped into a 5k at some point, you know what I mean? And I, and then I got, I liked it and I, and, and I built each year until I got to that point in 2019. Um, and so I, I'm not on a pro team. Um, I don't have an agent. Um, am I capable of, of running those times and maybe getting on a team and, and getting an agent? Maybe. And hopefully maybe that's what I'll do this year. But yeah, that's where I kind of, uh, that's the zone I'm in. The 2020 zone was really weird for me on top of, you know, the whole no racing and COVID and all that stuff. Yeah. So is the Utah race you're about to run in June, is that a fast course? Yeah, so I actually just signed up for it, and it looks fast, um, and there's some cash prizes, and if you break the Utah State record, they put another big cash bonus into it, which is, I think it's 214, like 30 or something like that, so I think I, I think that's within my reach if I run wow. well, and it is a fast one. It is. It looks like it's net downhill. I'm not sure exactly how much, but um, if it's a fast course, um, and and I run well, I'm pretty sure I could, that'd be my goal, I think, to, to, to get 214 or faster. That's a um, massive PR when you're running as fast as you're running. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But like I said, I ran 217 on my first marathon, and that was in 2019. Yeah. Now, so that was a while back. So I've progressed a lot in that time. I feel like just, like, I haven't got the opportunity to really show that. Like, uh, at, at the Marathon Project in 2020 in December, if I, was in, if I was in that race, if I would have got in, I'm fairly confident on that course. I would have ran 214 or faster. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly confident. Um, I didn't get the opportunity. That's okay. I got the opportunity to run with with Sarah and help her do that thing. So that was pretty cool in itself. You know what I mean? I, um, like I said, I was my my intention was never to run a marathon in the first place. I never really had that in my mind. So all of a sudden, I'm doing cool stuff like that. You know, helping one of the best runners in the world. That's a pretty cool position to be in. You know what I mean? So I was that was a cool thing as well. So cool. Well, yeah, and it's it's regardless of what level you run at, when you are like just starting off like, oh, like taking it super seriously, which you haven't been doing for very long at, at all, those like gains are so big and it's so exciting to watch where compared to, you know, someone who's been training hard for 15 years and, you know, those gains, just those chunks just aren't going to be as massive, especially the faster you get. Um. That's so exciting. Tell us a little bit about the pacing. So I had no idea that you had wanted to race the marathon project. And so the pacing opportunity came up. How do you gain the confidence? Not that you can run as fast as Sarah Hall. You debuted the marathon in 217, but that you can be so consistent with your miles. I, uh, you know, it's it's no different than what I was saying as far as racing, you know, Um mm. To me, I was, I knew I was in, you know, 214 ish shape. And I told him that. And um, I had, I had uh, got to meet Josh Cox, who is her agent doing, that's who got me into the, the Houston pacing job in January. So I had already, he had already kind of known of me and I had already done that pacing job. And I guess I did a good enough job where he was, he, he had kind of reached out and said, you know, yeah, this, he kind of vouched for me um, to, uh, Ben Rosario saying, yeah, this guy can, this guy's good. He's done it before. I know we can count on him. And so that's why they kind of, 
um, pushed me to that position. And honestly, I, I didn't really get nervous about it just because I knew I was completely capable. Um, and also, we kind of had talked about going into something and being able to uh, be comfortable in that racing situation, whereas I can kind of soak it in a little bit more. And I took that as an opportunity to be a part of something that was bigger than me, that was cool, very cool to help someone out. But knowing that I can run 220 and it would just be like a workout, you know, for me. So I was able to really soak that in um, a little bit more than normal. And uh, all I had to do was just look at my watch and make sure we were on time. You know, uh, and that was a little bit, there was some other stuff that went into it. I mean, we can get into that if you want, but as far as like the course was a little bit different than our watches. Um, so that was probably the most difficult part. But in reality, uh, once you get in a zone and you lock in mm -hmm. over 26 miles, like you can really lock in. Like it's, it's to me, it's not really too hard to lock in. So, yeah, I, I do want to hear more about the experience. Did you talk to Sarah at all during the race? How many other Pacers were with you, with Sarah? Um, yeah, I just want to know all the deets. Yeah, so um, like I said before, they had kind of, I had, I had talked to Josh Cox, and I had actually talked to, we had a Zoom meeting with the other Pacers and Josh Cox, and who's Sarah Hall's agent, and uh, Ryan Hall, who's Sarah's husband. And we had kind of talked about who who wanted to kind of lead the group, who was in what shape. And uh, it seemed like I was kind of in the best shape out of the group. So they kind of said, okay, you'll kind of be the lead here. Um, and then after that, I met with them again on Zoom. I think it was just me, um, Sarah, and Ryan and Josh. And I, I kind of wanted to get there. I kind of got how they were feeling as far as what they wanted, you know, what kind of shape Sarah was in what splits she wanted to hit, where she wanted to be at halfway point. And they were pretty confident as far as uh, I, she must have been doing some crazy stuff in her workouts. Uh -huh. they, you know, they were pretty confident they could get that record. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how you got to be to go for something like that. Because, uh, you know, she had just run London and, and ran a PR, I think, right, in London? Yeah. And, I mean, that was an amazing race. And it wasn't that long after that, you know, what, a couple months maybe? You guys are kindred spirits as, as serial racers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, I was like all about it. I was like, heck yeah, like this girl's fearless. You know what I mean? She's going out and she's like, not only am I going to run a two minute PR, but she's like, they were even saying, you know, Ryan was saying, you know, I think if, if everything goes right and we have a good day, maybe we can go under 219. Mm -hmm. um, so they wanted to go and be aggressive. You know what I mean? They went for it. They, you know, that's a, that's a big risk to, to jump out there and, and try to run a two minute PR. And for then, sure. Yeah. So so we, I kind, I kind of got the gist of where they wanted to be. They wanted to be around, you know, one, one hundred nine thirty at halfway, and we weren't that far off at halfway, you know. Um, and I met the other. I guess I'll go back a little bit. I met some of the other pacers. I think we had four pacers besides me. There was me and 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 four other pacers. So I had met with them the morning before and kind of just told them what Sarah and Ryan told me, and I kind of just said, you know. You know, uh, I'm going to set the pace in the front for the most part. But if you guys want to come up and help me, that's cool. All we have to do is make sure we're not tripping up Sarah, keep an eye on Sarah. And all we have to do is is lay down 519 per mile, 518 per mile miles over and over and over. That's all we have to do. And if we could, you know, if we hit 517, that's fine. If we hit 519, that's fine. But we just want to be in that range. Um, and so there wasn't that much to it. You know, you think like um, you have to be nervous and there's a lot that, to think about. Well, really, there's not. If you could just... Hit 518s, 
that's all you have to worry about. You know what I mean? If you hit one five nineteen, that's okay. You know what I mean? It's not a big deal. Don't panic. If you hit one five seventeen, that's not a big deal. They wanted to be aggressive, so I think I was telling him to lean more towards five seventeen. Um, so we we kind of talked about that a little bit, but like I said, there wasn't too much to talk about. It was just like don't get in our way. Make sure we are aware of her um, and hit those five eighteen. So that's as far as the pre race. That's kind of where my mind was and where it, what how that kind of went down. What did that feel like to you? Like, I know you ended up finishing the marathon. Um, what did you finish it in 220? Yeah, whatever Sarah finished, that's we were yeah. right behind her. I think it was like 220, maybe 20 or something around there. I'm, I don't remember exactly, but somewhere around there. So you finished that. You run a marathon, yeah. 220. You feel that you're in 214 shape. Exertion-wise, what did that feel like to you? Uh, you know, that's hard. it's hard for me to give percentages on that, but I was very comfortable the whole way. Um, obviously it's 26 miles and it is, it is a fast pace. Um, but I would say, you know, 85% of, of all out was kind of what I was going. So I was really comfortable as far as I wasn't near that edge ever where Uh I was, uh, I was never in a red zone or anything like that. Um, and you know, it also makes it a little bit easier that I wasn't really worried about myself. Yeah. All I was worried about was those times and making sure Sarah was, was good um and that you know it was a really cool experience you know um we went through halfway and pretty smooth you know what i mean there was not much said there was no problems we were exactly where we wanted to be um we were actually ahead of schedule i think we went through half in like 10927 um they wanted 10930 so we were good yeah um, that's perfect yeah we were we were we were on the only weird thing was like i said right away i noticed um our watches were dinging about three seconds faster and earlier than the mile splits. Mm. So say if on our watch it was saying we were running uh, 5.16, 5.15, we wouldn't hit the mile marker uh-huh. until three seconds later. So, uh, And it was pretty consistent. Everyone in the group's watch was, was dinging about three seconds. So I kind of figured that out pretty, pretty early because I had the actual splits written out on my arm per mile, the cumulative, cumulative splits, and we had the truck in front of us. So I could see that we were three seconds off the first mile. And then guess what? The next mile, we didn't hit the mile marker for six seconds. Yeah. So we were actually running on our watches. I had to adjust. The first mile, we were slow because the course was longer than our watches. But we had to run the course. You can't run your watch. So we had to adjust to that. I think we were slow the first mile. Um, We ran like a 519 on our watches. But on the course, that's a 522. Yeah, so, that's I mean, then that adds up. Yeah, yeah. So um, we brought that back down. And then we started running 514s, 515s, um, which on our watches can be a little bit intimidating. So yeah. I'm sure I'm hope I, I we didn't say anything. But I, I think Sarah realized it. And on top of that, you had Ryan coming back and forth. And Ryan wasn't looking at our watches. So Ryan was only looking at where we were on the course, the according total. to the mile markers. So we we got back on course. We got back on uh, pace according to the course. But um, so so Ryan was telling us, good job, right on. Um, but I could see how that could be a little bit stressful to Sarah because she was seeing on her watch, we were hitting some 514s, 515s. Uh-huh. And it, that could, even though I'm sure she realized what was going on, that can be a little bit, I'm sure that could have been a little bit stressful on the mind because you're so used to looking at that watch and that telling you what you're supposed to be doing. I'm sure that 
throws you off a little bit. So I'm sure that was something hard that she had to deal with that I'm sure that wasn't easy. And you know, this is so interesting too, because she did run such a massive PR, but I interviewed, um, you know, I interviewed Ryan after the race and he was like, looking back, like, I feel like we didn't look that excited after the race because like you were saying, we knew that she was really fit to, to break that record. So it was like they were excited, but also like a little bit disappointed. So trying to figure out those emotions. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's how how those these top athletes like Sarah, I mean, how can it's hard for I think other people to kind of conceptualize that. Yeah. They won the race outright, smashed everybody. All the eyes are on her. She's second American runner, female all time. What a, you know, in most people's eyes, what a, you know, accomplishment. But in, in her and Ryan's eyes, they're like, we failed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But that's kind of the mindset you have to have to be someone that pushes these barriers and breaks these records. Takes those that's risks. Not, yeah. And I mean, you know, the way you think about it, you know what I'm saying? Like anybody else you would think would be like, anybody would take that situation and throw a party, and you know what I mean? But that's the kind of mindset these athletes are like Sarah Hall where she always is going to want more. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter how good she gets. And that's that's how you push barriers. That's how you become like that, I think, is you have to be kind of different than everyone else. You have to think differently. Um, you have to be there's probably no one that's harder on Sarah than herself you know what I mean and that's something that's normal whatever you consider normal most athletes don't have that kind of mindset that's not an easy mindset to have think about how hard that is how much success she had that day and still was disappointed I mean that's crazy yeah and you know it's one one of the things I admire most about Sarah is that she does it her way like over the years, like all the serial racing and, you know, some might say like that would, that's crazy to run the London marathon. And I don't remember what the turnaround was, but it wasn't much to go around and then try to break the American record at the marathon project, but it worked, you know, she didn't break the American record, but she ran out of this world. Amazing. And I just, I give her so much respect for just following her heart, her desire to race a lot you know most pros at that level aren't going to race that often because of the risk but she loves it so much and I just respect that so much yeah and I mean that's something that you could see in the second half of the race where um that's when she started hurting I think around we were on pace until maybe mile 18 20 and that was the first time she spoke up around that time she she said at that time, it was only me and Cal left. He's a he's a great dude, and he did a great job out there too. And you know, it was really weird. We worked really well together without having to communicate too much. I think we kind of had kind. Of, it's weird when you're out there. Um, we had like a triangle going towards the end there, and Cal was really the emotional support and was more keeping an eye on her mm. in between me, you know, me and her, and he was there being kind of that link and more being the emotional support when she needed it because at that point that's when she spoke up and said you know guys let's not go fast I don't want to go any faster than 518 you know and that's pretty much all she said Mm. Uh, and in that just saying that little bit I think me and Cal both understood what she's saying is I'm hurting you know that now it's hard you know now I'm struggling but you know that's when it gets hard Um, so we did drop back down to 518 on our watches but remember 518 on our watches mm-hmm. is 521 on the course. 
So that's why I'm saying like she's got an I'm sure she knew that. But at the same time, that's all she could muster. And maybe hoping if we just hit some 521s, maybe we could break it back down in the last 5K. Um, now, she wasn't able to do that. And we, that's when we did start veering off of record pace. Um, and we, you know, we even started with 5k to go, we started veering even more, you know, we, we did hit those like 518, 519, 520 for like that mile, 18, 19, 20, 21. And the last three or four miles, you know, she was really hurting and to be, to go out that hard, you know what I mean? To run 109, 30 for the first half. Um, and then to really, she didn't really start breaking down until the last 5k was pretty amazing. And I mean, that's when Cal really started talking to her around the last 5k maybe for the last four miles, Ryan started, you know, getting more emotional and you could see it. Cal was kind of playing off of Ryan where Ryan would run back and forth. We'd see him every like mile or so, maybe even a little bit more often than that. And Ryan started getting more emotional and talking more, uh, yelling more and, and just, you know, in the first half it was just good job, Sarah, turn your brain off, Sarah, smooth, mm. you know, and then it started becoming more, Sarah, you know, push. Sarah, you got to bleed. Sarah, you know what I mean? And, and Cal was playing off that as well. And he did such a good job being that emotional support. Um, and I, I was like, okay, well, this this is perfect. Uh, Cal's got that. I don't need to say much at all. And every, every now and then I was kind of chiming in, but I was more being the like, that was a great mile, you know, smooth. I, they were kind of pulling on her heartstrings and her mm. emotions a little bit more. And I, all I needed to say every few, you know, miles was maybe just to calm her down a little bit because, you know, maybe that's you don't want her emotions up to, to get too high. It does maybe feel good to have like a calming sense there. But mostly all I had to do was say, OK, let me just keep pulling on that pace as far as I as close to, you know, keeping on that record pace as I as I could. So in that sense, it was pretty cool. That whole experience was pretty cool to see how we all kind of work together to help her. Um, she would, you know, surge up a little bit and then I would pull on pull on that pace a little bit more and, and Cal would keep talking to her. So that whole thing was really, really, really cool, that whole dynamic of it. And that's something you don't I mean, what what other time would I experience something like that? It's totally different um than any other training or racing. You know what I'm saying? And there's people cheering and, you know, we know this is kind of a big thing. And, and, and at some point we realized she wasn't gonna break the record anymore. But I think we still knew she was still going to get an amazing time and she was still going to do a big PR. So we're still trying to pull her along and kind of reset her mind to say, cause you could crumble at that point. You know, at some point you realize the record's gone and mm -hmm. uh, you could easily crumble. You know what I mean? You know, her body is, is, is hurting. You know, she was beyond red line that last three miles. But if we could convince her, you know, this is still, you're still doing great now reset and, 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 focus on the next goal, which is a big PR, number two all time. Um, and if we could help her out in that little bit, just to kind of keep her, you know, when you're hurting that much, any little thing, you're just looking for some reprieve for the next 10 seconds. And then you'll worry about the next 10 seconds after that 10 seconds. Um, so in that scenario, it was pretty cool. And you could learn, it was a cool experience. And I learned a lot just from being there, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, would you, now that you had that experience, you know, you were disappointed that you didn't get into the race due to your resume. Even though you were new, you were in that 214 shape. Now looking back, are you grateful that it turned into the experience that it was? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I, I'm not someone who really dwells on stuff like that. 
at any point. So I was never, it was what it was. When they yeah. announced that I wasn't in the race, when they announced the race roster, uh, it didn't bother me. I wasn't mad about it. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't mad at Ben Rosario. I understood why, because I didn't have that time. So, mm. you know, I, I wasn't mad about it. I was happy when I got that opportunity because what else was I going to do? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's just a cool opportunity. So to me, it was a no brainer. And I was happy right when they asked me to be a pacer and uh, not only to be a pacer, but to kind of have the most important pace job was to help Sarah go after that. Like, even if I was pacing the men, that was a cool thing too, but they weren't doing something that was as big of a landmark thing as, as Sarah did. You know what I mean? To me, Sarah was kind of the the highlight of that whole thing, even though what Marty did and all those guys did yeah. was insane. The guys race was insane. Um, it was very Sarah, exciting. I think was was even even more of a, a bigger thing. I think she was kind of the the main attraction there. So oh to, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. And and then if and if you paced the men's race, you wouldn't have been able to do the whole marathon too. Right. You know, honestly, I, I, I if I was put in that position, I would have wanted. I would have kind of tried to finagle my way into like, yeah, I'll pace whatever you guys want for so long, and then I could run my own race and finish. That's yeah, what, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would have been the route I would have took if I would have gotten in that position. But like I said, I wasn't. Just see um, how hard you can hang on. Yeah, whatever position they wanted to put me in, I would have. I would have made the best of it. You know what I mean? I'm not one that 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 is gonna worry about what happened in the past. Like I didn't get in. I didn't get in. They needed pacers. Put me in now. I totally forgot that I didn't get in the race. I'm in this situation now, and this is the situation I'm in. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so super exciting. And now you at least you have COVID out of the way as well. Um, right. It's like you went the whole year. You almost made it. A, no, you did make it a full year, right? Because when did you get COVID? Yeah, it was right at the end of the year. Um, okay. The last few days of December, I had a coworker who had it. And I didn't know he had it. He didn't know he had it. Um, and we were we were working really close together. We were like taking machines apart and moving machines in a moving truck. And, and so we were like, you know, we had our masks on and everything, but obviously it didn't matter but yeah that's when i got it, it was the last few days of december so so now it's like it's exciting because not to say like oh i checked the covid box that's a terrible way to think of it but it's like now you have like some time where you don't have to be concerned that you're going to catch covid and you're training hard and you have this marathon coming up do you feel like brand new world like i so exciting races are coming back definitely yeah i mean uh, even last year, uh, you know, um, even though there was no real races, we did. I did some cool stuff here. There, I did some. Uh, I was involved in some virtual things. I don't know if you saw. There was something on Instagram called the Trials of Miles. Um, I don't know if you follow them at all, but they did a really big virtual national cross country thing. I can't and, remember. I don't know if I do or not. Trials of Miles. Yeah, so they're actually in conjunction with like Sidious Mag right now, and they're doing some big track meets. Like they were the ones that put on that Texas qualifier. Not okay. So okay. Yeah, so they actually, I think it was around, man, I can't remember, last year at the end of summer sometime, they did a big cross-country, um, virtual cross-country thing where they did, it was kind of elimination style, and they broke it into sections. So I was like the west section, you know, the, the Nevada and, and California. Um, and I think I ended up, I made it all the way to the finals. I think I finished like fourth or fifth, I forget. But they did that whole thing, and it was Every two weeks, you would run a race. I think they did 8K, 5K, 6K, and then 10K. And those were the rounds. And they were like elimination rounds until there was, you know, 50, the top 50 from all every region. And that was like the national regional finals. And you would just, 
you know, run 10K on your, on your own somewhere. You can't have uh, more than like 50 feet of loss, obviously, to make it fair. Mm -hmm. But then you just do it on your Strava and you post it. And then they would rank everyone in order. Like there was some cool stuff like that. Um, me and my friends here um, actually put on our own. We put on a few races just with us, some of my training partners. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, we and then it went really well. So we were doing some small stuff like 5Ks and just some relays with us. And then we decided to do a half in October. Um, and we invited some some uh, like kind of more elite athletes around my level. And there's another real good runner here named Christina um, Alishire. She actually – she's probably a big part of me running marathons, eventually doing a marathon because she had already qualified – for the last uh, trials in 2016, and in the the trials in Atlanta, she got 24th place overall. She ran okay. Yeah, she ran 234, I think, over nice. there. So I mean, she's really good. So me and her, and we have a group that we all train together, um, and we held a half in October of 2020, and it was it was pretty. It, it went really well. We were surprised. We kind of started as something out small, but we ended up getting the course USATF certified, and we put on our own. You know. We ended up doing our own little thing, and it got bigger than we realized. We had like 20 men, like 15 women, and we had some pretty fast times. It was like 103 for the men, uh, 110 or 11 for the women. And yeah, then it's fast. It, it went so well that um, we got some traction with some other elite runners, and then we we did an even bigger one uh, in January, and that was the one that Molly Seidel came and she ran here in Las Vegas. And oh she ran yeah. Yeah, Molly Seidel ran 109, um, M. Durgan ran 109, uh, Sarah Pagano ran 109. We had three girls under 110. Um, uh, Pat Tiernan came out and ran. He ran. He won the, the men's half in 102. So it started out as a little thing, but we ended up somehow, like, grassroots. People wanted to race. That's kind of why we yeah. did So we did that, and that kind of got bigger than we even thought the – we, our group is kind of called Las Vegas Gold, so that was our Las Vegas Gold half marathon, and we did it. Just, I mean, the course is right here, like a mile from my house. This is where I train every day, so that was really cool, actually. And that whole thing was was something that we did. And so that 2020 wasn't so, you know, I actually did. I feel like I did a lot in 2020. I just didn't get to do the actual big races, you know. Yeah. Hey friends, another quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this episode of the podcast. The best sunglasses on the market for an active person, which means they're the best sunglasses on the market for you. They are fashionable, they are functional, they're fun. That might be the most important part. They have chill styles, but they also have aggressive, fun, loud styles as well. I'm loving the Rose Quartz Bypass Runway Shades. Those are super loud and fun. That runway style is super cute, but I also love the aviators as well. The best part is that they're durable. And if they do break or if something happens, you know, if one of your kids snaps them in half or something like that, that's bound to happen in my house, they're affordable. So you should check them out. And also, I'm not encouraging your kids to break your sunglasses. I'm just saying that's something that could happen. Um, you can save 15% when you go to gooder.com slash another, use the code another 15 and you'll save 15% off your entire order. That's gooder.com slash another, use the code another 15 for 15% off your entire order. All right, back to my conversation with JJ Santana. And if you're loving it a lot, don't forget there's extra conversation with him over on patreon at patreon.com slash lindsey 
All right, let's get back to my conversation. You're going for 214. You're going for that record in Utah. Do you have any visions beyond that? Like, what are your dream big goals? I don't know. I, you know, I kind of got to this point um, necessarily without making goals. Mm. Like I said, the way I kind of worked into it was I just jumped back into it and I wanted to see, I kind of wanted to fulfill that uh, void that I had when I was younger where I didn't necessarily give it a full shot. So uh, I just built into where I am now. Um, and I never had, I never made some specific goals. I just do it because I enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? I think that's the coolest thing about running. That's why I do that over any other sport. Cause, um, if it wasn't running, I'd be doing something else, whether it be flag football or, or park basketball. Running is so cool because it's so accessible, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have to join a team. I didn't have to prove myself in, in, in any way or do anything crazy. I just started signing up for races. And as I progressed, I qualified, you know, to be in this, you know, kind of category where I would, I got, you know, I kind of like, oh, now I need to go to the more competitive race. And I think it's really cool how it's, how open it is. And I've got into trail racing and, and um, I did obstacle course racing and it's so open, you know what I mean? And ultra trail running, it's so popular now. Um, and the, my whole kind of focus was just to enjoy it. And naturally, my the way I do sports is I always want to do my best. Um, and so my whole goal is to just get better and enjoy it. And it's worked so far. And I don't see why I need to change that. So as long as I just keep getting better, you know, and obviously there is some goals, you know, if I could get under 214, that's great. Really, the, the big thing for men in marathoning right now is to break 210. I'm sure, you, you know, you know, you've talked to some of these guys that have done that or want to do that. That's kind of the big thing. Once you get under 210, you know, you can, you're in it, you can put your nose in any race you want. You, mm, for sure. You have, you have a shot. So I don't think that's outside of my capabilities. You know, it, it's, it's hard. That's a, that's a hard thing to do. But I think... Um, you, you know, it's big breakthroughs on the women's side and the men's side in marathoning. So, you know, I don't, I don't see why if other people can't do it, I can't do it. So my goals are just to enjoy it, get better. You know, um, obviously the big one is to make the Olympic, you know, team. That's the number one goal for a marathoner. So um, that's kind of the pie in the sky goal. I, I don't think I need to basically make that specifically, but if I had to throw out goals, that'd be it. Break to 10, try to, put my nose in it and try to race for the top three for the next Olympic trials. You know, those are, yeah. I love that. I love everything about it. The, like the have fun, the no pressure, but also like, these are also big dreams. Like I, you know, I also think I'm capable of this. Why not me? I love all of that. That's so good. Um, okay. What's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you have not done yet? We're wrapping up now. Wow. Um, Maybe, you know, I think it'd be cool to make maybe like some sort of a world team to represent the USA. That'd be cool. You know, whether it be on mountain running championships or in the, you know, half marathon championship, world championships or Olympic team or whatever. I think to wear the, the USA singlet in some form or aspect, that's a, that's a, that'd be like number one thing, I think. I love it. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I guess qualifying for Olympic trials, I feel like that's kind of a, a sellout answer, an easy answer. But, I mean, that's honestly, that's probably that's probably the one. In your you, first I, marathon. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because that was never the goal. But I would say that, I mean, that's that's an easy one to say. It's right. I mean, that's kind of recognizable. 
I mean, this is on a completely different level, but when I ran my first marathon, I had in the back of my head, maybe I could qualify for Boston, but that was never the goal. And I did. So I like on a much smaller, different level, I feel you there. Like it, it's kind of cool to go into something with that, not necessarily being the goal, but then it happens. Right. Yep. I agree. Very cool. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Man, you know, I used to read a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, my mom used to read to me when I read to me every night before we go to bed. Um, and then, so when I was in elementary school and junior high and even high school, I used to read a ton of books. But now I just don't read books anymore because I listen to so many podcasts. Oh yeah. So I I love podcasts. And you know, it's funny you have me on. To me, it's it's kind of an honor to be on your podcast because podcast because as far as running goes, you're kind of the go-to podcast in my in my opinion. And so. Your podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, or or, and there's a few more. Um, like Rich Roll is a good one. So, man, I, I don't like. I said I haven't read any books, but as far as podcasts go, I'm trying to think. Maybe I could give you a podcast that I really liked. Well, I feel honored that you say that because I feel like I don't know. I feel like the dudes would say Sidious Mag. So I'm sure you listen to that too. But I like that I'm in your lineup. I do like Sidious Mag. I do like Sidious Mag, but. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, yours seems a little. There's, I don't know. There seems a little. Um, I don't know the way to put it. Kind of almost like broy that college vibe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, for and I sure. like that. Those I listen like I listen to their. But yours is a little bit more uh, family or like uh, easily. I feel like anyone could listen to your podcast, whether it be a mom, a kid, a dad, a young runner, an old oh, runner, a little you. bit more professional, maybe in, in that sense. Thank you. Well, you know, um, for the first like year or two, I really didn't interview any guys. And I think I was intimidated to imitate to interview males. But I love interviewing, you know, male runners just as much as the females. So it's been really fun to once I like got over that and expanded into interviewing more males. I mean, I would say I still have more females on. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, definitely. Well, you get you get great guests. So I mean, that's I think that's that's a such a big thing in podcasting. That's why I think Joe Rogan is so big is because he gets such diverse guests. And you, yeah, you, you'll get really good runners on here. You know, the top road runners, but you also grab some of these trail runners, you know, like Jim Wamsley or people. Those are fun. And then you get normal people too, you know, the lower level, the sub elite and normal people, you know what I mean? And, and some people that are more on the business side. So I think diversity is a big, a big thing in my opinion to grab. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Okay. So we're, we're doing podcasts instead of books. Totally fine. Um, okay. Who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring? that you would like to have coffee, tea, or a cocktail with? Um, you know, I, you know, it's funny because I, I listened to your podcast, so obviously I had thought about this <laughs> one specifically that you were going to ask, and I was thinking about it for a while. It's hard. So um, I, follow, I told you I follow MMA um, and, like, UFC. Uh-huh. I, there's this one guy. This is the reason I started watching MMA and UFC. His name was Fedor Emelianenko, and he was a Russian guy. Um, and he's kind of retired now. He's older, but... Um, he kind of had this really stoic personality and he was amazing. He was undefeated for like 11 years and in MMA, it's really hard to stay undefeated. And I, I just always, I, for some reason I've always been drawn. I think that's my kind of personality, more mellow, more stoic, more quiet. If you see me at a race when I'm running, I'm very like focused in at the finish line. I don't celebrate. So that mm. guy was someone I was always drawn to. And 
if I could somehow understand him, he only speaks Russian, or if he could somehow understand me, I think that would be someone I'd love to sit and talk with him, uh, someone like that. What about when you break 210, though? Are you still going to be stoic, or are you going to celebrate? <laughs> um, I will still be stoic, yeah. Okay. Like, for some reason, celebrating is not something um, I do, like birthday parties or, you know, it's I, it's weird. I'm, a, I'm an emotional person, but very not, for some reason, I, I'm not outwardly emotional. I don't show it. Um, and the same thing with competitiveness. I'm very competitive, but I'll never outwardly be competitive. I'm very inwardly competitive. Oh, it's so interesting. It's, yeah, my emotions are like that. And I'm not sure exactly why, but that's just the way I am. So celebrating is not something, I don't know, for some reason, I don't like it. So like, okay, you're 34. So when you turn 40, if someone throws you like a big surprise party, will that not be your jam? <laughs> Yeah, I, I just think that won't happen. The people that are close to me know me well enough that, you know, that that's not what I want. So I don't think, you know, if it did happen, I would go along with it. I'm, when you put me in that situation, I'm fine. It's not like I'm going to go to a party and just be the total buzzkill. Uh -huh. In that situation, I'll open up and I'll, I'll hang out with my friends. But for the most part, generally, um, I wouldn't go to parties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, what's your last message you want to leave with the audience today? Um, you know, I think... Be healthy. I think I, I think that's the real reason I like sports so much. It's it's, it's healthy. Um, I think being healthy is very important. And be happy. I think and, and be nice. Be healthy. Be, be healthy. Be happy and be nice to other people. You know, you get. I think people are uh, a little bit too uh, mean. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I I think if we could just be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit nicer to people, be a little bit more healthy. That I hope you be happy. It'll it'll let. It'll let you be nicer to people. It'll let you be happier. Healthy, happy, nice, I think is a good message. Healthy, happy, nice. All right. Thank you so much, JJ, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thanks, JJ, for sharing your story. I am cheering you on, and I know everybody listening is as well. You, can, you guys can find JJ on Instagram. He's underscore JJ underscore Santana over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. All the links to our sponsors are in the show notes of this episode, lindsayhine.com. If you want those delivered directly to your inbox every week, I don't spam you. It's just a weekly email with links to everything we talked about in the show notes of the episode. You can email Emma, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com. I want to give a great big shout out to our newest sponsor, Picky Bars. Don't forget to check them out. Get that drizzle. Get on that. It's delicious. Go to pickybars.com slash another and you will get 20% off your order when you go to pickybars.com slash another. That's good for orders over $25. Thanks for being here. Have a really great day. If you want a little extra, we've got additional conversation with JJ on Patreon, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.